0: Good morning, One Church. Let's give them a hand. You want to know what we're about here at One Church? You just saw it. Uh, one of the things that we hope everybody, and we believe that God wants a relationship with everyone, and the stories that you just heard, some of those are your stories, some of those will be your stories. And that's really where we're landing today. Uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of this series called "Selling Souls on eBay," where we're talking about some of our core values here at One Church. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I want to say a hearty welcome to you guys, as well as those who are listening on the podcast. So, just sup. So, um, let me tell you a little bit about what we're talking about. Last week we talked about invest and invite, and this is what we're talking about again today. Everybody say, "Invest and invite." Let me tell you what that is with our church. One of the things that, that a lot of churches do, they do um, visitations or Monday night, Tuesday night get-togethers or evangelism. By the way, if you grew up in church, you know what that word is. If you don't, let me tell you what evangelism is. It's sharing the good news. Big churchy word, but that's just really what it is. It's sharing the good news that God loves us. One of the things that we do here at One Church is we don't do it on one evening, we don't do it on one certain time, because we believe it's a lifestyle. It's not just a Monday night thing or a Wednesday night thing, that it should be an everyday type of thing. And how it works for us, it's invest and invite. Last week we talked about investing, investing in other people's lives, relationally speaking into their life and listening to their story. It's, investing is where you don't see people as a project, but you see them as a person. And um, you hang out with them, you, just, you listen to their story. That's what invest is. Last week we talked about that the people that invest in us are those who have influence with us. Today we're talking about invite, and we're talking about leveraging the influence that you have by investing, by inviting them. Now you may be thinking, inviting them to what? Well, inviting them to church, inviting them to have a relationship with Jesus through the Bible, inviting them maybe to hear your story. Which one is it? the answer is yes. It's all of them. You see, I grew up... um, and, and maybe you did as well, that uh, I know some people who can take the Bible, take this book, and by saying, you know what, you want to hear about Jesus, and they go to, uh, they go to Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 and John 3.16, and then they go to uh, 1 John 1, nine, and then they go to Ephesians 2.8 and 9, and then they go to 1 John 5.11. And, and I know some people who can totally do that and be able to share their faith, and people come to have this relationship with God. It was so funny. I grew up, and I was on staff staff in in multiple churches, and I used to be a faith trainer, training people how to share their faith. And it was uh, on an acrostic by faith, F-A-I-T-H. And F stands for forgiveness that is A, available for all, but it's impossible because of our sin to get that unless you turn. That's the T. And if you turn, you get to heaven. There's one problem with that. When I get nervous, I don't—I I, 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 kind of like mix stuff up, and I can't spell things. And I go, "Hey, my name is Chris," and it's impossible. I. And people are going, "You're a freak job," <laughs> and, and I go, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. I mean, I get nervous, and, 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 I, and, I, and it's, it, I know some people have these steps down that they can be able to share their faith, and I hope your tribe increases. But what? We've been talking about that evangelism, that good news. What if you don't know enough good news? Because, see, the reason why I think a lot of people don't do that is because they don't think they know enough. You know, what do you do? Well, you invite them to church. If you know anything about us and one church and myself, you know that if you bring them here, what am I going to talk about? Jesus. Because everything in this book points to Jesus Christ it's kind of a no-brainer you come to church we're gonna talk about Jesus in fact everything that we do on Sunday mornings everything we've created this environment we call it a foyer environment because it's a large group environment where people can be able to come because we know that we're expecting guests in our four-year environment and we do everything to make guests feel at home and to feel welcome that's what this is And that's what we try to create every Sunday morning. So it could be invite them to go through the Bible and and accept Jesus. It could be invite them, hey, come to church because I don't know enough. And, you know, the the preacher will talk about it. But it's the last invite that I really want to land on. And it's what you saw in the baptism videos today it is sharing your story. Because all of us have a story, don't you? I have a story, you have a story and when we invite people to hear our story and we invest in them and we listen to their story and then we talk about God's story when those three things come together it just kinda makes sense that's our big idea for today our big idea is this three stories your story and their story meeting God's story let's say that three stories your story and their story meeting God's story, absolutely, God's story. Because it's not steps, it's stories. You see, so many times where I kind of got, and where it kind of felt wooden for me, when I had to go through boom, da-boom, da-boom, and I, have, it just, I just don't work like that. And I, I can take the Bible and, and I will go to some of those scriptures, but it's really, it's, a, it's about stories, not steps, it's about story. It's about sharing your story, listening to their story, and then talking about God's story. I think that's huge. It's not just about stories. It's not just steps, but stories. But it's also listening, not just telling. You see, one of the things that we struggle with many times as Christians is we just have a tendency to talk and talk. I have that problem because I'm a preacher, right? And I just I fill silence up with words. But hear me, this is what we talked about last week. You have to earn the right to be heard, and you earn the right to be heard by being quiet and listening to them and starting this, a dialogue with them where you hear their story. You know, everybody likes talking about themselves. I mean, what's your favorite subject? Yourself, right? So it should be easy to say, hey, tell me about yourself. Okay, then. Uh, tell me what you like. Tell me what you dislike. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your hobbies. You know, listening to their story, it's, 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 it's about not just telling, but it, it's really about listening. Let me tell you it's another thing. It's about honesty, not perfection. You know, the thing about it is, every one of us in here aren't perfect. And if you've not been to church in a while and you come back to church and you think, you know what, they're just perfect people, let me be the first to shatter that one. We're all messed up people okay and one of the criteria of getting on stage is you got to be one of the most messed up people so welcome to one church um the, all, there was only one perfect person who ever lived and his name is Jesus so it's not about presenting perfection or going through a, a steps in a perfect order it's about just being honest and saying you know what this is who I am and my stuff stinks and so does yours and You know what? We can just go through this and we can talk about it because all of us have a need. All of us have that God-shaped hole in our life that He has carved out that only He can satisfy. That only truly He can satisfy. So when we have these three stories, your story and their story meeting God's story, when they overlap, what you get is this sweet spot. You get this spot that's just like, yeah. When those, when your story and my story and God's story intersect, God gets the glory. And lives are changed. And you see exactly what we saw in those baptism videos. You see lives change. You know your story. Your story is that you are messed up. So am I. And that we try to be able to find meaning and purpose through buying stuff or relationships or status. And it just never, ever happened with those things for us. We tried that stuff, and we got less meaning and purpose in life, and our lives got emptier until we began and found this relationship we had with our Heavenly Father. That's our story if, you, if you're if you a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ father. And we also know their story. The people who are at home right now, did you know that 86% of people in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere? 86%. That's 9 out of 10. And see, their story is this. You know what? Their story is not too much different than our story because they're messed up too. And they're struggling and, and all the meaning and purpose, they're struggling with that. They don't have that. And they don't think on Sunday mornings, they don't think there's anything. Why in the world would I wake up and go to church on Sunday morning? and just be with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, join the club, because all of us have been there, and we are all been hypocrites. All right. So we know their story, and we also know God's story. God's story is that God so loved the world that He gave. That is God's story. So when those three stories intersect, it brings God's glory. Now, we talked about that churchy word evangelism, you know, People who are outside the church hate that because they hate getting done on it. And people inside the church hate that because they hate doing it. And I'm not really, I'm just talking about talking, sharing stories. So if you would, uh, uh, page 811 of your One Church Bible, we're going to look at one lady who was a very, I mean, would be the last person you would ever think to talk about her story and God's story and bring all of that glory. Let's look at it. Uh, uh, Page 811, John chapter 4. And this is what it says. John chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 5 through 9, and then we're going to go 16 through 18, and then we're going to skip around, but just follow me. It'll be on the screen. Um, Eventually, he, Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. That's important. We're going to talk about that. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time, and his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then i never have to come out here and never have to come get the water. And then he says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And she replies, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? This woman is inviting all of these people, come and see a man and this woman still has questions could he be the messiah? could he pot- I want to camp out on this person because this is so unique Jesus comes to this, this he goes on the other side of the tracks if you will to this little country called Samaria now Samaria, Samaritans were half-breeds they were half-Jewish and they were half-non-Jewish, uh, it's called Gentiles so, um, and they were a different religion than the Jews were. And uh, so there was this, There was a lot of racism going on here. There was a lot of bad blood between these two cultures. In fact, so much bad blood in Luke chapter 9. This is so funny. Jesus's disciples, we're going to see how they responded to Samaritans. And it says this, Luke 9.52, And Jesus went into a Samaritan village, but the people did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> Can you hear the compassion in their voices? They're saying, you know what, let's just send all these people to hell. Hell with them. That's what they're saying. We're so, they're so racist. Even Jesus' disciples. And what did Jesus do? Jesus turned to them and said, boys, hush it. He rebuked them. And they went to another village. Because Jesus doesn't play the race game. Some of you may have come out of churches, may have came came from different parts of the country where this whole racism thing is. Let me tell you, everybody is precious in God's eyes. Everyone. So if that is you, you either need to change your attitude or I can suggest a lot of other great churches for you to go to. All right? Merry Christmas. All right, move on. So, back to the Samaritan woman. This woman was an object of racism. No one, she was an outcast. In fact, she was an outcast even among the outcasts, the Samaritans, because no one liked her. Um, We're going to find out later the reason why nobody liked her is because she loved men. And none of the ladies liked hanging out with her because they're thinking, hey, my man may be next. All right? But she tried filling that God-shaped hole that we talked about with relationships with other men, and it left her emptier than before. Look at John chapter 4, verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. You know, that, Jacob's well... The reason why it's important, both the Samaritans and the Jews came from two different religious backgrounds, but both of them liked Jacob. Both of them thought Jacob was a good guy and Joseph was a good guy. And so Jesus met this woman on common ground, met this woman, uh, on, and Jesus is tired, he's worn out, he's wanting something to drink, and she shows up at what time? Noontime. Now, what's the hottest part of the day? How many of y'all, soldiers who've been in Iraq, what's the part of the day that you just love being outside? Right? It's not noon, right? And here's the thing. Israel isn't too far from where you guys were at. It's hot. And see, back in that day, it's kind of like East Tennessee. They didn't have indoor plumbing. You know what I mean? So the, the ladies, if you're going to cook, if you're going to wash... If you're going to do anything like that, you got to go to the well, and you got to go get it. So the ladies would either go early in the morning or at dusk. Why? Because it's cooler, right? It's cooler. But this lady shows up at noontime. You see, when the ladies would normally go out, you know, 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, you know, they would get up and get caught up on the gossip and all this stuff. The reason why this woman didn't go is because she was the object of the gossip. She was the talk of the town. And, and she says, you know what? I'm just tired of it. They're not talking behind my back anymore. They're just talking straight to my face. So I'm just going to go out at noon, and I know it's hot. You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm just alone. I'm just alone, and no one likes me. That's her. So Jesus sees this woman who is ostracized. She's the object of discrimination, the object of racism. But Jesus reaches across gender boundaries, racial boundaries, and even religious boundaries and starts a conversation and a dialogue with this woman. Starts a conversation on common ground. I think that's so cool. Verse 7, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. They had went in. Um, And uh, decided to get like a, probably like a bacon egg and cheese biscuit like at McDonald's or something. Um, The woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. In that culture, Jews didn't drink after Samaritans. Jews didn't eat after Samaritans. For some of you, you remember the 1960s? You remember the separate drinking fountains? That mindset was alive and well back in Jesus' day. And Jesus says, I'm not even going to play that. I'm just going to just go ahead and cross over. Would you mind giving me a drink? I'll drink after you. I'll Jesus saw her as a person. There's a great verse in the Bible, 1 Samuel sixteen seven it says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And God doesn't care what you look like, what you dress, what status you are, what rank you're in the army what what skin color you are it doesn't matter with God God sees you as a person and God is calling us to see people as people and not projects so she says to Jesus you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman why are you asking for me for a drink she's saying I'm a Samaritan well, hello you can't do this people are going to talk Don't you know culturally you can't do this? I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't even like Samaritans. In fact, the Samaritans don't even like me because I'm an outcast. And Jesus reached all past those boundaries, met her on common ground, and started a relationship and a conversation with her that ultimately led her to God. Just as we saw last week with the crazy dude living in in the cemetery, Jesus has a tendency to reach the unreachable and to touch the untouchable and to be with people that nobody else wanted to be with. Getting down and dirty in people's lives that most people have just written off. People written you off? Let me tell you, God will never write you off. Ever. I truly believe that God is calling all of us to look past ourselves and to see in our neighborhoods the people maybe that people don't like. The people have just ostracized and just said, you know what, I can give a flying fart about them. They, God says, I care about them. I care about them. So you should care about them. Jesus wants us to meet people where they are. And this woman had a hard pass. In fact, Jesus puts it all out on the table. Look at this in verse 16 and 18 of John chapter 4. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And she says, "Uh uh-oh. Um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, You're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and the guy you're married to now is not your husband. Silence. Imagine the awkwardness of that moment. Jesus says, You're right. You don't have a husband. You've been married and divorced five times. This woman had been through multiple divorces. She's been ostracized by our culture. The ladies don't like being around her because she's a man-stealer. And she is a lonely, she's lonely. She has nobody that she can rely on and trust on. And think about this. If Jesus is indeed God's son, Jesus could have met with anyone that morning at noon. He could have met with anyone, he could have met with kings and princes and rulers and pharaohs and queens. He could have met with anyone, but he chose to meet with a five-time single divorcee. You'd believe that no one matters to God. Everyone matters to God. No matter how far you feel like you're on the outside, Jesus meets you right where you are. You and I will never, ever lock eyes with another human being that does not matter to God. Ever. Ever. We all matter to God. God is calling us to love and to meet people right where they are. And what such a paradox is this? We talked a little bit about this last week. But the religious people of that day, they were called Pharisees, religious people not unlike you and me. The closer they got to God, the more approachable people were got to them. The closer they got to God, they equated spiritual maturity as, you know what, I'm going to keep everybody at a distance. I'm going to run from sin, run from sinners. And they became unapproachable to outsiders. Let's just say Jesus, who is God, he's the most spiritually mature person who ever lived. Would we say that was correct? Here's the thing. The most spiritually mature person who ever lived was the most approachable to outsiders. So if you and I are going to become spiritually mature, that means we should increasingly get more approachable to other people. More people should be able to come up and say, you know what, I love hanging out with you. One of the things that frustrates me when people go, Pastor Chris, I'm not Pastor Chris. I'm Chris. Because religion has a tendency to put boundaries in front of people. I put my jeans on just like you put your jeans on. All right? I am. I, I got stuff just like you got stuff, and Jesus says, "Here's the thing. I'm just going to meet people where they are." And the person who was the most spiritually mature was the person who, who the tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and drunks they loved hanging out with. When I when I when I hang out, and a lot of times I love playing racquetball, and I'm playing racquetball with somebody maybe I don't know, and I'm beating them pretty bad, so they drop maybe the f bomb, and and uh, and they say, "What do you do?" And I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm so sorry. I go. What? You know? I understand the reason why you're angry I'm beating you, you know? I, you know? You ain't got to apologize to me. Cuz you know what? I hit my I hit my thumb on a hammer and I want to throw it across the room as well. I am just like you. And the I think the most the more spiritually mature we get, the more approachable we should become to outsiders. Because that is how Jesus was. He met people and loved people on common ground. He met us right where we are. And he also looked for opportunities to share his story. Look at this. Jesus didn't meet the woman and say, Hey, how's the weather? You know, it's the end of March and it's kind of cold outside, isn't it? I I shook some some of you's hands and you're like freezing, you know? Uh, that's just Tennessee weather. He didn't just chat about the weather. He went straight to the issue. What is he there to get? Water. So look at this. Verse uh, 13 and 14. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, what is he talking about? The water she just scooped out of the well, Jacob's well. Anybody who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those drink the water that I'm going to give will never be thirsty again. It is going to be a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is saying, this water you got, it's good, but I can give you something so much better. And you know what? She didn't get it. It just went straight over her head. Look at verse 15. She says, please, sir, give me this water, and I'll never be thirsty again. And I'll never have to come back to this well at noontime. And I won't be the object of scorn and have to get, you know. She's thinking, sweet. I don't have to go out and fill up the water buckets anymore. This is awesome. This is a good day. But Jesus was taking something, met her on common ground and talked about something that she was interested in and shared his story with her story. He had already heard her story, remember? She's a five-time divorcee. And now Jesus is sharing his story with her story. Because when your story meets their story and you bring God's story in it, it's just like, wow, God gets the glory. Man, I think that's so cool. When you and I are willing to invest in other people and listen to them and invite them to hear our story and then talk about God's story, it's just sweet. Look at verse 26. Look how these three stories all converge in John chapter 4, 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The first person he ever revealed himself to was a five-time divorcee. I am the Messiah. That's a Hebrew word. The Greek word for the same word as for Messiah is Christ. See, some of you all thought Christ was Jesus' last name. It's not. Christ is His title. He is the anointed one. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting on. And Jesus says, I am the Savior of the world. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And look at this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. Telling everyone, come and see a man. By the way, why did she go to the well? And to get water, and she's like, "Heck with that water. I got something else. I got to share this with somebody." She left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, "Come and see a man. There's invite." Who told me everything I ever did? Could he be? Could he possibly be the Messiah? That's her story. Her story is: I tried filling this God-shaped void in my life with men and with relationships. (laughs) But I just met a man who just rocked my world. Who just came in and I now have forgiveness. That is her story. So look at this. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now that's God's story intersecting their story. That's so cool. When your story and their story meets God's story, wow, something awesome happened. By the way, how much did this woman know about Jesus? Did she know that Jesus was going to die on the cross for her sins, die and and be buried for three days, rose again, and then 40 days later he was going to go up to heaven and then he's going to sit down at the right hand of the Father and the Son of Fellowship and there's going to be 66 books of the Bible written. Did she know any of that? What did she know? She knew her story. She knew her story, and she knew how her story came together with God's story. You know, that's where I want us to end today. Do you know your story? Because it's not steps. It's stories. It's not listening. It's, it's listening. It's not just about talking and telling. And it's, it's not perfection, but it's honesty. So do you know your story? Look at uh, uh, John chapter 4, verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village, that's their story, believed in Jesus. That's God's story because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. That's her story or your story or my story. You see, when my story and their story comes together with God's story, it brings God glory, and that is really what invite is. Invest and invite. Invest. Be willing to listen to somebody else's story. Invite them to hear your story and to hear God's story. So today, here's what we're going to have. We're going to end it. This is very quick what I'm getting ready to do. Uh, I would encourage you, if you want some more and know how to do this, you need to sign up for our commune membership class because we talk a lot about this. But I want to show you how you can share your story. Uh, Every story, if you have a relationship with God, has three parts. Everybody put up three. Three. Three parts. You can put them down. Cool. I feel like some of y'all doing gang signs. All right, cool. Three parts. Every <laughs> Send your email. Groups at Exit One Church. Right? Um, the, the first part of your story is what your life was like before Jesus. What was your life like? It should take a, about a minute or less. And then how did you get introduced to Jesus? How did you begin this relationship with God? How, that should take more than a minute. And then how has Jesus made a difference in your life? That should take... More than a minute. So, how many parts? Three. The first part is what? Before Jesus. Second, how you met Jesus? Third, so what? What what difference has he made? I'm gonna share you my story. My story is this. I grew up in church, I grew up in a wonderful home. Um but there was a part of my life that was just, it's, it was missing. I felt like I, I just wasn't hitting all pistons. And I, I just, I struggled of having meaning and purpose in my life. And I even went to church. I even walked down an aisle and I got dumped. And it still didn't do it for me. Some of you may know exactly what I'm doing. T- I never found that meaning or purpose. I heard other people talk about it, but it just didn't happen for me. Until I realized that I couldn't church wasn't going to save me and going down front and taking a pastor's hand or even getting a big bathtub and getting dunked wasn't going to save me that the only way i could fill that need in my heart and in my life was a relationship with god and relationships take time so I, one of the things i did is i asked jesus i said jesus i still have a lot of questions i don't know it all but i'm asking you god to come and to forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I, I thank you so much for what you did on the cross for me, dying so that I could have forgiveness. And Lord, I thank you so much that you you, you raised again on the third day. And even though I still have that question, Lord, I know you love me. And I began a relationship with God. And you know what? Since then, I've struggled. I still have problems. I still have questions. Sometimes I still have doubts. But he's made all the difference in my life because I have purpose now. And I know what God is calling me to do. And that took less than two minutes. You see, when you're when you're willing to get outside of yourself enough and listen to people, really listen to their story. What makes you tick? What makes you angry? What frustrates you? sorry that your mom did that to you. And then you're able to say, you know what? I struggle with a lot of the same things that you struggle with. But let me tell you how I'm dealing with my issues. I still got them. When you're willing to invest in other people and then invite them to hear your story and invite them to hear God's story, that's what it's all about. That's what spiritual maturity is all about because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did with this woman at the well. Um, I would encourage you, uh, in two weeks, Easter's coming up, we're starting a series called Confessions of a Pastor. And it's going to be a great time that uh, the people that you've been investing in to invite them, because I promise you, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, because He is the one that changes lives. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, Jesus, and you are so wonderful and awesome. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are God's Son. And, Lord, that you could have met with anyone 2,000 years ago by that well. Lord, you can meet with anyone today, but you choose right now to meet with us. And, Lord, I know there's some people out there. they're they just they've been They've done the whole church thing. They may have done the whole religion thing, but they still feel far from you, God. They're like that woman at the well, and they still have doubts, and they still have questions. But, Lord, I know this, that you want to have a relationship with them. That you can have a relationship with them. So, Lord, I pray right now for those who just need to spend some time right now on the quietness, quiet of this moment just saying, Lord, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And, Lord, I accept your forgiveness. I believe in you. Your word says everyone who believes in me will have eternal Lord, that's what I pray. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.